Hey, Tyler. Oh, hey. Hey, what? Hey, did you know that uh, Dad's Meat World has its own gear shop? You do? We have a gear shop? How does that even work? That's very simple. You visit dadsmeatworld.threadless.com and you can get yourself a shirt, a hoodie, magnets, stickers, all kinds of stuff with our logo or even our beautiful faces on it that you can wear or slap up on your laptop, your phone, or whatever you want to put it on and show your love for our podcast. Wait a minute. You're telling me I can get a picture of my face that I can wear? That's right. Won't your wife love that? You're sucking up to me. My wife would love that indeed. And I think uh, I would greatly appreciate it if I saw more Daz Meat World stuff out there because I think uh, we have some fans and I think they want to represent. That's right. So go to dazmeatworld.threadless.com. I'm going there right now. I'm cool. God help me. Welcome back to Dad's Meet World, a Boy Meets World deep dive podcast where every single week, uh, two dads will sit down and talk about the wonderful show that is Boy Meets World. I am one of your dads, Tyler. And I'm your other daddy, Brett. <laughs> uh yes so a little peek behind the curtain real quick you know we have a few episodes that have come out so far and this has been nothing but fun and excitement and hey you know we got some people talking to us saying that they're enjoying the podcast and for those people coming up to us thank you you're wonderful and we greatly appreciate it indeed we love hearing back from you guys and we love that you guys love listening to us so Hey, send the love and uh, drop us an email or a review. We'll share your love with everyone else. Yeah, give us those grades. We want to hear about it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, boy, uh, Brett, we have a doozy of an episode today, if I do say so. Oh, we do. It deals with the future. It does. Future can be quite scary, especially when we've already hit the uh, time period in which... Uh, they are discussing. We really uh, but before have. we get into that, <laughs> Brett, uh, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing okay. Uh, family had a little bout of uh, illness over the weekend, so I got to take a sick day Monday. But uh, yeah, doing nice. okay. Uh, our kids are getting ready for Halloween around these parts as we record before Halloween. Yes, we've already recorded the Halloween-themed episode, but yeah, we'll yes. further peek behind the curtain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, this should be coming out right around Halloween-ish, or a little before then, so yeah. just in case, happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween, ho yeah. Hopefully everybody is who they say they are. Uh, I, I hope someone's not who they say they are. I kind of like the surprise. <laughs> How are you guys That's doing, true. Tyler? How's everyone at your house? Well, uh, we just had a spout of COVID in our house, um, and so it kind of delayed you and I recording a little bit, um, just due to, you know, standing for too long and then getting dizzy and then feeling like, uh, you know, I couldn't feel things or getting super cold. So I had truly a mild case of it, but I just was still useless and couldn't do a whole lot. So I'm Yeah. So, luckily, I'm back to full health and ready to go. Yes, and uh, we're very grateful for it. So, uh, shall we dive in? 
We shall. Do you want to give us that uh, summary and deep dive real quick? I will. This is the ninth episode of season one, Class Pre-Union, wherein Mr. Feeney gives an assignment to the class to predict where their life will be by their 20th class reunion, which just for fun would take place, since this was 1993, in 2023. So, oh no, uh, man, no, my math is off, 2013. <laughs> I do 2020. Math, uh, I do math about as good as, uh, about as well as <laughs> So for clarification, uh, the the class is considered the graduating class of 2000. Yes. <laughs> Thus, the 20th graduate or reunion would be in 2020. Yes, the only reason I'm making sure we correct this right now is because I have all numbers for 2020, and it's going to be real hard oh, to, wow. to do this episode if I don't have those numbers. Dear <laughs> listeners, I did not get much sleep last night, and I don't like numbers anyway. So. <laughs> Don't worry, I, I'm bringing the numbers. Oh, yes, yes. We're recording this about three years after the projected Clash reunion. Uh, this episode yes. was written by Ed Dechter and John J. Strauss, directed by David Trainer. Originally aired November 26, 1993, and currently enjoys an IMDb rating of 7.5. Well, we begin in the Matthews household in a interesting camera view. Uh, it's actually kind of a parody of 60 minutes of a little <laughs> clock playing at the beginning. And then Corey doing a, you know, what we would call like a selfie pose at this point. But he's doing it with an old mm. camera. So it's just called, you know, talking to the camera and trying not to break it. <laughs> uh, Corey's doing a little deep di- or just, I, wow, deep dive on the brain. Corey <laughs> is, uh, you know going an interview with uh, his sister and parents and wondering how come uh, the youngest sister gets to do all these things and have a necklace on her neck and going to a party when Corey is grounded and Alan makes it pretty clear that uh, Corey should be grounded because he's calling uh, Canadians (laughs) to hear them speak uh, Canadian. Now, I I did get a little bit of Corey's little report here. Would you like to hear it? Yes, please. I'm sorry. No problem. Excuse me, ma'am, did you say new dress? And is the baby of the family wearing a gold necklace? My mommy gave it to me. Lent it to you? Party, necklace, new dress, all for your daughter. Yet just last night, your son was imprisoned in his room, forbidden to go to the movies with his best friends. Our daughter didn't dial random numbers in Saskatchewan just to hear people talk Canadian. (laughs) Say goodbye to your poor, exploited brother, sweetie. Bye, sorry. Everybody hates you. Finally, the naked truth emerges. And Cora, do me a favor. No phone calls, no home shopping network, and be careful with my video camera. Have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Random numbers in Canada or Saskatchewan to hear people talk Canadian. I love Mm -hmm. it. Bye. Sorry, everybody hates you. (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong. But is Saskatchewan a part of the more French-speaking in Canada, or is it just a general area in Canada, thus they're saying things like, eh? And that's all Corey wants to hear. Honestly, I think it's just the the most interesting-sounding province, and that's why the writers went with it. (laughs) 
probably. Um, if anyone knows more about Saskatchewan, please uh, let us know. We'd love to know more about it. I did not have time to deep dive Saskatchewan. I'm sorry. Have you ever <laughs> been to Canada, uh, Tyler? I have not. No, uh, I need to work on getting a passport because I keep getting told that Niagara Falls is best on the Canadian side. It is much better on so, the Canadian side, yes. Right. So I need to make that happen. Maybe there'll be a new <laughs> Patreon level. Get Tyler to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, does does Corey take care of, of Alan's camera? Of course not. <laughs> He's a boy. Almost immediately. Uh, which, which does... I, I wanted to talk about this real quick, if you don't mind. Uh, the big, giant 90s cameras. <laughs> uh, what memories do you have of these cameras, Brett? Uh, I have some interesting memories of them. My, my family never really had one uh but i i knew enough people in our orbit that did and these things were pretty sizable pretty hefty um i'm not sure in 93 if they had moved far enough along to vhsc where it was smaller, a little more manageable, but the VHS cameras were pretty unwieldy. And for Corey to be running around using this the way he was, his arms as an 11 year old would have been stretched way out in his in front of him. These things weighed like 10, 15 pounds once you got everything in them. Wait, can you do that again for me? <laughs> way out here. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if you've never worked with a VHS tape, um, you should. They're fun every now and then. <laughs> but if they had moved to VHSC uh, by this point, I, I don't remember them being that commonplace at this point. They're a little more manageable, but definitely not as convenient as everyone's cell phones these days. Oh, yeah. I, I feel so bad how easy it is to record things <laughs> because literally for me to record like if we're at uh, a function for my son say his soccer game all i have to do is slip it out of my pocket hold it up let the let the phone know that it's my face and then swipe once hit a button and now i'm recording i can move it and then the angle changes i can you know zoom in Zoom in, zoom in. It's all real easy, and it comes out looking pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I firmly remember my father lugging these this camera to concerts and different events. You know, just to record something. I I I remember. Um, when our elementary school used to do a concert and it was required that you had to be there and just looking in the back row and seeing all of the dads standing there with their giant giant cameras and the giant tripods they had <laughs> and I, I very much have memories of my dad setting the camera up in a spot in the living room and being very clear of do not touch your presence until dad has the <laughs> camera set up we do not do anything until the camera is ready oh yes um, 
<laughs> so I, I feel so bad. You know, my for to all the '90s dads out there that had to lug these things around and endure it, and especially to my father, I do apologize. We didn't clearly did not appreciate uh, the amount of effort that you had to put in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Our hats are off to you. Salute. Now let's talk about how you did everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Corey isn't very careful with the camera, and he definitely drops it. At oh, least that's what they make it seem. Oh, um, no, it was dropped. I mean, <laughs> uh, but I'll say, those suckers used to be built and to take damage, and I'm pretty sure those things have fallen multiple times and still be fine. The tape may yeah. be a little damaged, but the unit itself was always pretty, pretty solid. Yeah, the tape probably was fine, but that lens might have been cracked. Could be. Um, I do remember life getting easier once um, the smaller tape uh, v or yeah, the smaller tape video recorders came out. I do remember things getting simpler, but boy, <laughs> those years with the giant case and lugging that all over the place. <laughs> uh, no Probably. wonder our fathers used to be much more manlier than us. Yeah, I gotta carry that thing around just to capture two minutes of you at a band concert, you know? Uh, yeah. So, anywho, <laughs> uh, we go through the title, which everyone knows how we feel about the title so far. So, the less we talk about that, the better. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> cute. So, we have uh, Corey and Minkus in the front area. They both have uh, hats on. Minkus is clearly King George, and uh, Corey is uh, George Washington. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're talking about the uh, American Revolutionary War. And Corey, at one point, makes a joke about how are all boring guys in history named George? Was every boring guy in history named George? <laughs> Yep, that. And I, re I really like the idea of uh, Corey's sixth grade concept of Americans being independent from England. We're American. We're independent. We'll get our goods from Japan. Mm -hmm. I had that written down, too. There once was a time when we didn't get everything from China. That's what I'm learning. Uh, yeah. Hey, Sony was big at this point, man. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah. So Corey is making the argument that, uh, you know what, we're studying history and who cares about history? It's all these dead old people. Who cares? Because <laughs> remember, history never changes. Right. History never changes, even though we just learned in a previous episode that, you know, no, it, it doesn't. But we had work on it. Yada, yada. And if we, we don't pay attention to it. Yeah. Uh -huh. oh. yeah. Oh, and before I forget, we have another episode where Topanga is back. Yes, we do. And she'll get a little bit of a meteor appearance this week. Which... Corey walks right into a uh, new assignment from Feeney. <laughs> and I love that Sean's like, I smell an assignment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Corey says, I swear I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but anywho, yeah, Feeney has decided that he wants them to do a, a pre-union uh, where they are going to graduate in 2000 and then uh, they're coming back for their uh, 20th class reunion in 2020. And of mm -hmm. course, fun fact, uh, for the class of 2000, they would have missed their uh, reunion because of COVID. That's right. They would have been zooming in. 
Yes, I missed my 2010 reunion because of that reason as well. So, mm-hmm. which was quite sad. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they're kind of just getting clarification, and Minkus makes it clear that he kind of has the hots for Topanga. Topanga. <laughs> yes. Topanga. <laughs> and. It, I will say, I didn't think about this before, but I'm thinking about it right now. This does kind of lead into with Farkle later on mm-hmm. of clearly being very interested in the two girls and the confidence of Minkus right now of just being like, I've seen my future and it's you, babe. Oh, yes. He is quite sure of himself. He is mm-hmm. Overflowing with uh, sureness of himself. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, we've we've established and we've talked about the fact that Topanga clearly has a history of liking Corey. Mm-hmm. That you know she has an interest in him. He doesn't realize that she has an interest in him, but Minkus probably is very much aware and knows of that interest, and thus is. Could be a reason why he goes after Corey sometimes because mm. she does have the interest of him. Very well, could be little, uh, little buried rivalry there. Yeah, maybe. Again, just thought about it. Up, you know, out of nowhere. Uh, then we go to the lunchroom where Sean, Corey, and Larry. <laughs> Who is Larry? <laughs> Well, he's back. Uh, we've seen him before. This is uh, actually his final appearance. We will never see Larry again. You know, we have Larry here, and he's the, we could argue he's the final death chair friend. Because um, in, in previous iterations of him being there, he's been named and he's mm-hmm. had lines, but he's never... He hasn't, like, sat in the chair yet. Yeah, in last week's episode, he was credited merely as uh, costume kid or student one or three. Yeah, he's. Mm-hmm. this is only his second time with a name, and yeah, we'll never see him again. This is the yep. end of Larry. He The death chair has got him as this episode. Actually, later on the death chair will truly get him. We have Larry, uh, Corey, and Sean discussing what they want to be in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean makes it very clear that, hey, uh, my dad's a tire salesman, and I have other people that are tire salesmen, so why not? I might yep. as well be that. And mm-hmm. now we hear of what potential job uh, Sean's dad has. Yeah, um, yep. And, you know, maybe there's a potential that he's kind of like a maybe like a traveling salesman of some sort. You very know? possible. Very possible. Because we still don't know much about Sean beyond he has a sister. Mm-hmm. He does have, at least at this point, both parents at home. He has a backyard that the boys can play football in. And now we know his dad's tire salesman. Yep. That's pretty much all we know about Sean and his home life. But, you know, someone who is good at sales, they could have a good life right now. Mm-hmm. So, and I know in the future we're going to meet Chet Hunter. Um, so we, we're, we're kind of going based on the fact of, of how he acts and in, in his portrayal. And, you know, you could probably see that he has been successful at points. And so he's probably either super successful at points, but then really lazy and doesn't do well at all. Mm-hmm. So, but that's more... Uh, more for next season, really. Of course. Larry makes it clear that he is interested in going as Feeney because, you know, most sincerest form of butt kissing is, uh, oh, oh my gosh. Most sincerest form of flattery is butt ki- Yeah. 
all that. Flattery you know what I'm trying to say. Flattery, 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 there we go. Flattery. <laughs> yes, that's the word. Can you tell that we have been sick the last couple of days? <laughs> oh, gosh, this is going to be rough. Uh, yeah. Anywho, Larry, Larry is going to be Feeny. Uh, that's all he has his mind on. Um, it's basically mm-hmm. his goal is to dress like Feeney and to act like him. And that's all he's going to do. Oh. But Corey declares that uh, he knows exactly what he's going to be. He's going to be the center fielder for the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, yes. As every 11-year-old boy wants to be. Yes, it's, uh, honestly, it's a lot of good, um, solid imagination and dreaming for Corey. And uh, it's yep. good to see that at, at sixth grade, he still has that type of a of an open mind for dreaming. But I love that Sean immediately laughs and says, you had 31 airs in Little League last year. <laughs> now, I'll just go ahead and call myself out real quick. <laughs> when I was Corey's age, if you were to say to me, what would you want to be? I could have gotten away with saying i want to be a baseball player because i (laughs) love baseball however uh if anyone was gonna make an air on the field it was gonna be me (laughs) (laughs) um you know when i was 12 i played second base and after the first game i lost all confidence and there were many a moments (laughs) of ball going right through my legs and being like well I suck. (laughs) So, again, I want to apologize, and I know uh, you you needed a better second baseman. I'm sorry. (laughs) But anywho, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. Corey goes, are we uh, men or are we boys? And they say, we're men. And then they start barking. I'm thinking this was probably a little bit of a tie-in with Home Improvement. Just kind of a reference to the whole Tim Allen uh, psyche there. Yeah, it was just weird. If if I remember correctly, uh, Home Improvement, Tim Allen, at least his, his stand-up was in the zeitgeist at the time. And if uh, memory serves... Uh, home Improvement had been on the air. Yeah, I think that it had already at least been a season or two in. Yeah, Home Improvement had already been on the air for two seasons, and, you know, that's another ABC show, so that's likely just another shout-out. <laughs> yeah, isn't it weird when they kind of – you just see little things in an episode, especially, like, as we're going through the first season of, like, why did they do that? <laughs> and it's, they're always so small little things. You're like, that's not the identity of the show. But as we progress, we we learn what the identity is, you know. Yeah. Um, but we're going through the awkward phases. Side note, Home Improvement, another big, big part of my uh, growing up, so – Another one I like to look back on and see things that I learned about being a dad from. <laughs> Stay tuned for our next podcast, Daz Meet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anywho, uh, we go back to the Matthews uh, living room where Amy is helping Corey put together his choreos. Uh, and she gives him a picture for him to uh, go ahead and part with to put on mm-hmm. the box. And uh, she makes a comment about when you're at your 20th gra- uh, reunion, I'll be 44. Clearly fudging some numbers. <laughs> uh, so I did something a little mean. 
and I even I asked my wife. I said, "Hey, uh, would this be mean if I were to do this?" And she said, "Yes." And I thought, "I'm gonna do it anyway." <laughs> All right, Sarah, if you're listening, it's uh, it's it's been recorded. Tyler admits he was warned. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, I was told not to, and I'm doing it anyway. But in, in the interest of fairness, I did it to myself as well. <laughs> so it's just it feels like it's a little more meaner because, you know, you're a little older than me. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I made a guess because I didn't actually officially know your when you were born. Mm-hmm. But to my knowledge and understanding, you are 40 right now, correct? Close enough. Or, yes. Or about to be 40. Yes. Okay. I got confused on when your actual birthday was. I was like, I'm trying to remember. I didn't have time to fully go into all of it. <laughs> but anywho, roughly, uh, when your first child graduates, you'll be 42. Yep. And thus, at uh, reunion for said child, uh, you will be 63. Mm-hmm. And again, for the next, at uh, reunion, 65. And at the next reunion, 70. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, not bad. Hey, I've met a couple of 70 really spry people, so oh, yeah. 70's the new 60. Yeah. And by the time maybe you're 70, it'll be the new 50. Who knows? Or it might be the new 90. Who knows? That's also true. <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So for me, when my first uh, born graduates, I will be 42 as well. That's uh, a shock. Thus, uh, but for his graduate, uh, when his next reunion is, I'll be 62. For my second child, uh, I'll be 69. No, sorry. Uh, for my second child, I'll be 67. And for the third one, I'll be 69. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So roughly, I'm at this. I'll be the same level of, of age when my children hit there too so oh, yes. by the point by the time you get to that point it's really you, you just kind of stop counting i overreacted to quote my grandma i'm too old to care what people say exactly <laughs> you hit that age and you just don't care <laughs> yeah uh, but anywho, uh, something that amy does care about is morgan walks in with a plastic necklace oh uh, yes Clearly not the golden necklace that she lent to her. Probably the same one in Corey's video expose. Oh, yes. But when she asks, uh, hey, uh, where is the necklace? She goes, I traded it. This one's pretty. (laughs) To which Amy says, well, you know, I have to call her mom and get this back. She says, well, we said black, black, no trades back. I I read I have heard many and been part of many no trades amongst kids. Outside of this episode, I've never heard the black, black, no trades backs. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I made trades with kids with toys and then we forgot that we traded them, thus never got them back. Yeah. Like. I've been involved with ones where we declared no backsies, you know, or right. other other ways, but just that that whole declaration of black, black, no trades back. That expression as one that outside of this episode I've never heard of. And I don't know if that's a Philly thing. I don't know if that's a West Coast thing or just the fact that I grew up in the Midwest and, uh, you know, we, we're about 20 years behind everyone else. 
<laughs> I mean, I just think that it's probably one of those things they maybe wanted to see if this was catch on, you know? Very possible. And just be a catchphrase or something. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but anywho, a question that I have as a, as, as a parent, um, when you lend something to your child for something specific, don't you take that thing away as soon as humanly possible? Oh, I would. You get back yeah. from the party, that necklace comes back to my jewelry box, not the back next day. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's why I'm like, okay, this is a failure on Amy and Alan. Oh, unless totally. they just weren't paying attention or she, I don't know. It could be one of those deals where because she's worn it, that Amy's like, sure, you may wear it around the house. You know, if you want to feel pretty, but she yeah. could have stashed it, took it to school, handed it to the friend. Any of those things could be possible. It's also likely when they came home from the party, she had already had her coat on, fell asleep on their way home. They just dropped her on the bed. But still, yes, it is on Amy to not have made sure she had her necklace back. <laughs> but hey, I'm sure Amy had a lot going on, so we can't uh, be mad at her for too <laughs> well, long. Well, she's helping Corey make his cereal and his baseball card, which, by the way, kudos to Amy as a mom helping her sixth grader put all this stuff together for his presentation. Okay. Are we ready to get into the uh, re- pre-union stuff? Oh, yes. I got to say, Minkus scares me. Yeah. So, okay. So I have <laughs> stuff on uh, baseball player, president, Microsoft CEO, and mechanic. Okay. I didn't even waste time on the whole teacher thing because Larry didn't put any effort into it. Why should I put effort into deep diving his stuff? Oh, yeah. I already did a deep dive <laughs> on that anyway. If you want to know more about how teachers are underpaid, please listen to the last episode. Oh, yeah. you know let's, <laughs> let's just get uh, Larry out of the way right here. Oh, how flattering. You're following in my footsteps. And look, you've dressed just like me. Come over here, you little suck-up. Every year, someone tries to avoid the assignment with this transparent little ruse. Oh, I didn't mean to be ruse. Can you tell me the meaning of the word tenure? I can look it up. Can you define curriculum? I can look it up. Just as I thought. You're no teacher. You're nothing more than a poseur. Go look it up. <laughs> Go look it up. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you that uh, poser from uh, Urban Dictionary is to pretend to be somebody you're not to be part of a culture or genre just to fit in. Yes. And I'm thinking with Mr. Feeney being as posh as he is, he probably used a more elegant spelling. So I'm sure the meaning's the same, but it probably has some more snooty upper crust uh, bite to it. <laughs> you know, the, the, the way I spelled poser and the way that it's it's spelled with the captions is completely different. P-O-S-E-U-R? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's the difference there. <laughs> and this is where Larry, the, 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 the desk chair has gotten Larry. That is the last we will ever see. That is a series lap wrap on Larry. He's dead. Thank you, Larry, for your service. That's right. I mean, I will say that Larry has been a part of several important moments, you know, for the show. So Mm -hmm. it almost feels like Larry could have worked out, but just for whatever reason, the writers didn't like it or Michael Jacobs didn't. Yeah, I'm 
that's probably more Michael Jacobs since they were finding so much chemistry between Sean and Corey. So uh, between the, the four careers, which would you like to hear first? Am I the only one who read the summer reading list? Uh, let's start with Sean and the mechanic. Okay, so, Sean. Since Sean will be fat because his dad's fat. Okay, I didn't look up about will he be fat or not. <laughs> this is what's interesting. Of the careers, Sean is the one who A, is most likely to get said job stay in set job and b it is a more practical future for him and also a need for for the community mm-hmm. as a tire salesman as i was looking up on indeed at a starting potential uh, rate is like 16 dollars mm-hmm. just for like a tire specialist if he has experience and skills, it's not his first job, he could easily, within a few years, work to about $20, especially with enough experience. There are some places in Philadelphia right now that are listed for $20 to $25, depending upon experience. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, no longer do we just have like a muffler specialist, so that's no longer a thing. <laughs> However, if he became a straight-up mechanic, depending upon, again, the garage he's at and how much experience he has he could hit 20 to 30 dollars an hour mm-hmm. which is is not going to be a bad living for him all of it just depends on the experience he has and how well he works yep mechanic is a field where depending upon how many is in the area and also how good you can do your job mm-hmm. you know you can make decent money doing that yep. it's not perfect you know like in some <laughs> smaller communities it may not be the most high paying especially because so many people know how to fix stuff <laughs> yeah in a really small community you're kind of screwed right exactly uh, so i want to make sure it's clear of the numbers i was looking at were from philadelphia so yeah i think that the most likely and most potential employment is for sean especially if he goes in the route of becoming a full-blown mechanic but mm-hmm. even if he stays in the tire realm and oil change and whatnot you know he could still make halfway decent money and could even potentially work to being uh, person that either runs it as like a manager or even an owner. Mm-hmm. All things are possible. If he goes in the same garage his dad's based out of, a little nepotism could go a long way. Right, exactly. There's a lot of potential here for Sean. Do I think he could also get fat? Probably, but I'm not too worried <laughs> about that part. Yeah. Now, let's go to president. This one's fun. Instead of doing a deep dive into presidency, all that jazz, what I did was simplify things <laughs> because the only time period where it could make sense for the world that Topanga is describing is if somehow the feminist movement really gets moving and she runs in 2012 and wins as a you know third party candidate. Now, as we all know, politics is the worst thing ever and nobody likes it. <laughs> Thus, is it possible for someone to do that? Who's to say? This is a made-up universe. On top of the made-up universe we're discussing. <laughs> Anything exists in this universe within a universe. Right. Topanga. But just so you know, the base salary for the president is uh, $200,000. <laughs> the United States in 2012 was spending about $676 billion billion dollars in defense spending 
Topanga makes it clear that she has gotten rid of basically all military and nuclear weapons. So mm-hmm. somehow she has convinced not only America to get rid of defense spending, essentially, and also other countries on top of that. So we're looking at mm-hmm. a all around feminist movement throughout the whole world that, you know, we're able to get rid of and fear of war. Mm-hmm. You know, men are basically there for breeding is what she said. And so the other assumption that I went into this is that because we don't have to worry about defense spending or anything like that, you know, we got about six trillion in debt uh, at this time. My assumption is that because we're not going to have war, I think all debts are forgiven. Very, very likely. Let's just assume for a moment that our country is getting a whole bunch of uh, cash flowing right into us. And so I asked a couple of lovely ladies, hey, if you were president and could do whatever you want, what would you do? And this is what they said. By the way, for the record, the lovely ladies I'm referring to is my wife and your wife. (laughs) (laughs) And when I talked to your wife about it, I said, don't tell him I want to surprise him. I was about to say, (laughs) she didn't tell me that she was uh, pulled for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in, in combining the things they talk about. Uh, we have about nine things that we're go- that's going to happen oh, okay. with a with a female president only taken from our, the minds of our wives. So the first thing is that all men are going to be kicked out of the government. No men whatsoever. Uh, the next thing is that there's going to be term limits. No more people being in, in government for their whole life. And, Highly uh, support. <laughs> yes. No more uh, career politicians. The next mm, thing is definitely. that uh, they're going to improve and make the best health care slash maternity care system because... You know, those suck in our countries. <laughs> yeah. Pardon. Par- sorry for the bad word. Don't say that word, son. But yeah, it, it's garbage. Uh, so they're going to improve that. Uh, the next thing they want to improve is schools and make sure mm-hmm. that uh, kids are learning the way they're supposed to be. New and better homeless care programs and making sure that people are you know not homeless anymore. Mm-hmm. Probably getting people into buildings that, you know, go empty and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Next thing is a food program, making sure that all the food is good and making sure people are able to eat. Because mm-hmm. again, this goes kind of hand in hand with the homeless care. Big thing is... IDD funding. For those that don't know, IDD is short for intellectual and developmental disabilities. And so uh, my wife works with uh, that that demographic. And so she has a big heart for them. Mm-hmm. And so she wants to make sure that funding is better for them and that they have better lives. Foster care reform, making sure that all children are able to get adopted. Uh, luckily, uh, in the world that Topanga set up, all the boys are taken care of by other men because they're all underground. Mm-hmm. Besides breeding purposes. Oh, yes. And lastly, and this is a big thing, uh, we talked about Jubilee Mm -hmm. and having a time period where, you know, after so long, we go, okay, if you have debts right now, you are forgiven. You're getting a new start and new new opportunities. Go forth. You know, if you get into debt again, hey, that's kind of Mm -hmm. on you, but we're going to give you a chance. Now, again, uh, as men, we're not going to be able to live in this utopia because we're just there for breeding purposes only. And uh, Now, were they privy, were were these wonderful ladies privy to the fact that you and I are merely underground breeding stock? I mean, they've both seen the episode, so I hope they understand this. (laughs) Well... I guarantee you that my my wife is not fully remembering what President Topanga's plan was. <laughs> Good chance. I mean, not saying we she could... would argue with it, but. <laughs> 
I mean, we would just be referred to of Kelly and of Sarah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you want to hear about uh, the center fielder for the Phillies or do you want to hear about the new Microsoft CEO? Well, let's hear about the Microsoft CEO. But first, I want to hear his thoughts on uh, President Topanga. We're married. You're breeding stock. I'll take it. <laughs> That's on the, the one hand, that is downright hilarious. On the other hand, it really worries me that as a sixth grader, he's already got that mindset. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But let's oh, hear yes. about Minkus's future as the future CEO of my, of mine, Minecraft? <laughs> Microsoft. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to say that having a podcast is hard. But the amount of time and brain power I put into this is I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where do I even start? First of all, I want to make it clear that for Minkus to actually purchase Microsoft, as we understood it, say in 2010, is n- is not possible. <laughs> like Microsoft became way too big. It it you know, it was no longer just about making the software for computers. It it became its own entity. Right now, it sits with assets of over a trillion dollars. It has more revenue streams than some countries. So understand that Minkus could never possibly understand what Microsoft is by the time he could try to buy it. Mm -hmm. But let's just say we live in a magical world (laughs) where it's possible. And we're going mostly based on the understanding of what Microsoft was. Oh, yes. Because at this point, you know, 1993, it's still largely an operating system that's predominantly used by the bulk of the world that uses computers. So a couple of things we have to establish in order for this to be a possibility. A, Minkus's father would have had to invest in Microsoft when they first went public. So this is arguing that before Minkus was really a person, his father bought like a million shares of Microsoft on the day that it first launched at $21 a share. Now that's no small amount. (laughs) (laughs) But... Again, we're just saying that's that's what would have had to be. Mm-hmm. And I have the exact number. It was March uh, 13th, 1986 is when they went public. And they had about 2.5 million shares that got sold on that day. It's a lot of money. <laughs> I, I currently don't see the exact number from that, but it's, it's a lot. I think this would have been five at that point, roughly. And we right. already have established that Minkus's family is probably well off. So yes. it is feasible that his parents do own stock in Microsoft, which would make sense as to how Minkus is so aware of some of the inner workings of a hostile takeover. Right. So and that's the thing is I initially I went with, OK, what if Minkus himself was buying the stock? But by the time that he would start, the value was not going going to be able to generate enough mm-hmm. even if he was loaded like oh, yes. minkus after graduation could not get enough stock within the 10 years that was going to require 
him having enough already to be able just to take it over. This would have been a fun one to see Mr. Feeney take him down a few pegs. Yeah. Just because I'll of the, the grand reach. <laughs> but go on. I will get there. <laughs> now, if... Big if. If Minkus's father actually did that, and all he did was buy like a million dollars of shares, at this point today, or at least the other day whenever I did the math, the value of those stocks alone are about $288 billion. That's a lot of money. Minka Senior is loaded. <laughs> yes, but again, that's at a $1.68 trillion dollar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amount. The next thing he would have had to have done after graduating high school, at some point within that five-year time period, there was a little uh, little website that popped up in 1997 that uh, we all are aware of, but mostly because it's a joke. And do you want to know what that little website's called? Oh, please tell. It's Ask Jeeves. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Ask Jeeves is still around as ask.com. Mm-hmm. And in the early 2000s, they kept buying out other search engines to improve their search engine. But the problem was, is that they just could not compete with Google. So Google is this giant uh, conglomerate that will not be taken down. And it's even a verb of me going, oh yeah, I Googled this thing. This is how I know. So let's say in this hypothetical world, Minkus either acquires via money or just becomes the CEO of ask.com or Ask Jeeves at the time, and renames it AskMinkus.com. <laughs> and he redoes the whole website, makes it more usable. And in fact, who even heard of Google? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows, hey, you got to ask Minkus. Minkus has all the answers. That's not a bad business idea. Right. And, and the key here is he makes it clear that it's a leverage buyout of Microsoft, mm-hmm. which means he only needed 10% of actual cash and the nine, the rest of it would be a loan. Now, I'm not going to get into would a would a would a, a bank give out this loan. We're just going to say he finds one because there's banks that give rich people money all the time. Because who cares? In 1993, the value of Microsoft was about 3.75 billion. In 2010, it's 234.52 billion. Mm-hmm. So, with all that said, all Minkus would need is about 2.3 or sorry 23.452 billion to start a buyout of Microsoft in 2010. Now, I could not get an exact figure on that original investment of would that be enough, you know, translated. But, you know, you could argue with the original investment of the Microsoft, of whatever amount he would have even at that time, by the time he could, say in 2010, attempt to make this buyout happen, arguably it's possible even in the real world aspects, if Bill Gates was willing to, he could have bought Microsoft. But again, he would have needed a handout from his dad. He would have had to have bought or and or just be running Ask Minkus. And also, very clear, he says, I then uh, became the number one or software provider 
in the world. So he also would have had to have some sort of a software company that he already started and working on, even if it was on the back burner. Thus, whatever market share he had already, he then could have combined those two to be the number one software. Now, Microsoft is already the number one software provider in the world, but this is an argument of from 93 when Minkus probably thought he could build a better software than Bill Gates. Oh, I'm sure he thought that. <laughs> yes. So now, I'm sorry. I didn't say before with Topanga that it's not really reasonable that of what she did. I don't think that could happen. But Mink is even more. I don't think he deserves an A. Because in a real world, world practicality, he couldn't have done this. Now, I know that Feeney couldn't have predicted what Microsoft would become and what was going to happen with like the dot-com bubble and all that stuff. But I don't think he deserved an A. I don't think so either. I just, I I really do think this is one of those times where Corey is right of just, he gets preferential treatment. Definitely. Because he made up a couple <laughs> of documents. Feeney didn't even look at them and said, you get an A. Yeah, he didn't even open any of those records that Minkus handed him. They could have just been blank paper for all he knew. Now, if the goal of the assignment is just see how much time they spend on this assignment... That's different, but, you know, of course Minkus is going to turn in something like that. But good Lord, it's not possible for him to become Microsoft CEO. <laughs> Bill Gates only owns 1% of Microsoft right now and still is ranking in billions of dollars. <laughs> so now let's move on to Corey, the baseball player, and my other other giant uh, annoyance. Okay. And also something else I spent way too much time on. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk minor leagues for a second. Mm -hmm. so those of you that don't know, minor leagues are the are the baseball leagues in which people play in to work up to be in the major leagues. Corey claims that he played in eleventh grade, but was so good he got signed to a team. Granite, I don't think that the major league baseball does that anymore. Did they in 93? Who's to say? But this is Corey's world. Corey's made up, made up world. So let's just say, argument's sake, Corey starts his baseball career in 2002. Because with him getting in there a little earlier, I think they need time for him to mature and grow and whatnot. The baseball is oh, yes. not the problem. It's the maturity level, you know. But the Phillies believe in him. He's the hometown kid. Everybody loves him. Everybody can't wait for him to start playing. Mm -hmm. So I've compared him to three different baseball players. Mm -hmm. At the time when the Philadelphia Phillies won the World Series, they won, uh, they won it twice. First time was in 2007. I can't remember when the other time was, but it was pretty quickly after that too. The center fielder at that time was Shane Victorino. Maybe you guys know that name. Maybe some of you don't. He started playing in the major leagues in 2005. He played for 12 years. He had a career earning of $65.5 million. He had a average... Uh, Batting average of 0.275. Not bad. Over 108 uh, home runs, two World Series, four gold gloves, two all-star appearances. This player, Shane Victorino, made a lot of money, made good money, but he still didn't play every single year with the Phillies. He got traded a couple of times and, and moved around. He only had eight seasons with the Phillies. Now, another former Philly, Marlon Bird. He bounced around between, you know, Philly, Pittsburgh, 
Cleveland. He's a guy who's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. He started his career in 2002, which is why we're talking about him. He played for 14 years on 10 different teams with a career earnings of 47.6 million and uh, 2.75 again for batting average over 159 um, home runs. The key to these two players is simple. They had long careers. They made money. They were important to their teams, but were tradable. They were gotten rid of. Corey claims that he is a legend. And he is like a so important to Philadelphia. He's probably more important than Rocky at this point. That's how important mm-hmm. he is. <laughs> so the player I'm going to compare him to next is Derek Jeter. Played for the Yankees for over 20 years. Started in 1995. Derek Jeter kind of ha- made, you know, not great money for the first couple seasons. He was an all-star, though, in his first two seasons. Uh, for his first big contract, he made $10 million for one season. And then from 2001 to 2010, every year he made about 18.9 million. That's not including signing bonuses and all that jazz. The reason I bring him up is because this is in the same time period of when Corey would quote unquote be becoming a legend in Philly. And with one contract in the market, he's already making more money than Corey. As we listened to the the episode previously where we talked about, you know, comparing Barry Bonds' contract to Mr. Feeney as a teacher, that is what a 90s kid could think is, hey, Barry Bonds makes this money. This will be good enough for me, too. Six mil hurts, doesn't it? Again, I compare the two of them because of the fact that Derek Jeter is a very well-known person. People just know him as Jeter. Like, he is as synonymous with the Yankees as any of the very old players like uh, Babe Ruth. But essentially, my point is that Derek Jeter is a big deal from that team's perspective. And they paid him a lot of money and they kept him around. They bring up the Corios. Fun fact, most often with these deals for cereal boxes, they don't actually make a lot of money. Unless, again, you have a giant name. So there was a giant name in the 90s called Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was able to get a $400,000 serial deal. Ken Griffey Jr., however, big, big time name in the 90s, had a $1 million contract. So there is money to be made, but it's not always guaranteed. It depends on how you negotiate. It depends upon the type of agent you have. Those are like the two first that like made like really big money out of it, you know, and they each used the other to be able to get more money. And that's the thing that I think Corey is not taking into account is that agents use other contracts to just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we also went through the steroid period where people were hitting home runs all over the place. People were making money. Last thing I'm going to say about this is that in 2002, the top 25 contracts were between 25.2 million and 14 million. Again, that top player with the top contract was Alex Rodriguez. Again, another giant name. Is it possible for Corey to be this legend just making six mil a year? Feeney was very clear on, no, you cannot. You didn't think this through. And Feeney is right. Do I think Corey should have gotten incomplete? Maybe not. But is his scenario more plausible than Minkus's? Yes. So I think Corey's getting the shaft. <laughs> and that That's my story, and I'm sticking to it, Your Honor. We get through 
all of the presentations that we're going to see of the important characters. Sean doesn't even... Yeah, we don't see Sean's presentation. No, but he's the best friend. Honestly, I'm hoping that Feeny at least gave him, like, a C+. I'm going to assume Feeny gave him at least a C, because it's very realistic. Sean knows exactly what he's going to do, exactly what... I mean, Feeny will probably be disappointed in his... uh, in his motivation and his self-starting, but I'm assuming Feedy's going to give him the credit for it because he, he did the work he needed to because <laughs> he knows what his dad does. <laughs> right. I think if he can show that he thought about like how much money he may make and what type of training he needs, it's possible he could get maybe like a B minus or something. Who knows? Because sometimes Feeney is fair with Sean. Oh, yes. And remember, he's he's brought up in a couple of former episodes to Corey that he does essentially grade on a curve where he will take into account a student's particular skill set and effort level that they put into a particular assignment. So, yeah, Corey says that Mr. Feeney is dragging him down. He's taking away his future. And I got the Corey and Feeney's interaction here for us. How does it feel to be in the presence of a legend? Well, legends are not born overnight. You must have been playing for quite a while. Oh, ever since the 11th grade. Uh, you didn't graduate high school. High school's kind of a joke when you're pulling down six mil a year. Six million. Hurts, doesn't it? Well, adjusted for inflation, that's a paltry sum compared to even the average ball player's salary today. But I've got investments. Such as? You know, uh, the investments, uh, buildings. Buildings with floors and people in them doing stuff. I'm diversified. And do you handle these investments yourself? No, my guys do that stuff. Oh, you've got guys? Lots of guys. They're in my buildings. Mm -hmm. And what percentage of your salary do they charge for their services? Mr. Feeney, you're dragging me down. Can't we discuss, like, my batting average? You're floundering, Mr. Matthews. No, I thought this through. Look, I even made out my own baseball card. Yet you have no clue as to how your affairs will be managed, no education to help you get a clue, and no marketable skills after your ball-playing days are over. But I've got guys. Well, Mr. Matthews, you've made an attempt at this assignment. You just didn't think it all the way through. And until you do, I'm going to give you an incomplete. An incomplete? Mm Mm-hmm. That's an I. That's lower than an F. That's down there by M. You can't do this. Why not? Because it's not like you're giving me an incomplete on some dinky quiz. You threw me out before I even got the first base. You took away my future. Now, I did find it interesting because uh, Sean talks about I I smell an assignment and Corey didn't see it coming at the beginning of the episode. But when Feeney interacts with Larry, he brings up the fact that every year some little punk does this suck up routine. So clearly this is uh, an exercise Mr. Feeney does every year with his classes. Right. It just I, I find that interesting that he's... And in this interaction with Corey, I kind of see that veneer slipping a little bit where he's just, you know, we've already heard in a previous episode where too many years of teaching sixth graders has bled me drive my humanity. And I, we kind of, I think we kind of see a little bit of that here where he's just, I feel like he's being, 
he's he's just letting all that slip through and he's just he is honestly being a little too hard on Corey. Yes, Corey did not think through all of those other aspects, but I don't know that he really put those parameters in place, at least that we saw. I mean, not everyone is going to think through like Minkus and Topanga did. But but again, though, the problem is, is that Corey was only thinking in the realm of baseball. Mm-hmm. Let's go back for De- to Derek Jeter for a second. If you Google right now Derek Jeter, it doesn't pop up baseball player. It pops up as businessman. Alex Rodriguez, one of the top paid baseball players ever he makes appearances on shark tank Mm -hmm. he makes appearances on the view so he's not just a baseball player and i think the thing that frustrates feeney is all he's seeing is that all he's thought about is the short term of being a famous quote-unquote baseball player Mm -hmm. not thinking about the fact that when baseball's done what then Mm -hmm. and i think that's the part that frustrates because i think feeney knows that he's smart enough that he could have thought about it but all he spent his time on was baseball. I think what really might have set him off is the fact that he didn't even finish high school. Yeah. He lets, he lets Mr. So Feeney know that he, he dropped out in 11th grade. Right. And I mean, that would be frustrating for him. Yeah. You know, he's putting so much time and energy into him. He's doing special assignments just for him. And it does. It could feel like to Feeney that Corey is metaphorically slapping him in the face. Mm-hmm. All his hard work to help him understand what education is, is going nowhere. And yet he still extends grace by giving him an incomplete, not a failing grade. And an offer to do the work to complete the assignment. Right. Well, and I think you could argue that he gives him probably at the end either a C plus or B minus. I think he eventually, because he does see, he does, you know, think through it. He's not giving him an A. Oh, no. <laughs> A's are just for Minkus. Exactly. And Topanga. Minkus and Topanga, that's it. Because <laughs> he's breeding stock and he likes it. So Corey is back in his room and he's taken down uh, a Jim Abbott poster. Who's Jim Abbott? Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, but Eric's, you know, trying to say jokes and, you know, trying to get Corey to loosen up a little bit. <laughs> and Alan walks... <laughs> Alan walks in and he's like, hey, time for dinner. Eric's like, oh, great. I want to get away from Buzzkill. Uh, and I have uh, I have Alan and uh, Corey here on the line. So let's hear what they have to say. Your mom told me about the assignment. It wasn't just an assignment, Dad. It was my future. I got an incomplete. I have an incomplete future. Well, of course you have an incomplete future. The future is always incomplete. When it's complete, people tend to call it the past. <laughs> supposed to be all planned out. I thought you wanted to be a baseball player. I do, but that's not enough for Feeney the dream crusher. I don't care what George Feeney says. You can do anything you put your mind to, Corey. Anything. Maybe I'll give these to Morgan and she can color in Jim Abbott's uniform. (laughs) Dad, when you were a kid, did someone tell you that you'd never make it to being the manager of a supermarket? Well, that wasn't exactly what I dreamed of being. It's not? But it's such a cool job. I wanted to build bridges, big ones, like the Ben Franklin. Then how come you gave that up? I don't know. Sometimes as you get older, your dreams change. After a while, I dreamed of having a wife and a family, and that came true. You know what I dream of being now? What? I dream of being the father of a Phillies center fielder. Dad, there's another dream you can kiss goodbye. Hey, not so fast. I don't give up that easy. I still think my kid's going to play in the majors. I used to dream like that, Dad, but now I know that sooner or later every dream comes to an end and you gotta wake up. 
Uh, Corey's. Oh, he's really depressed, man. Uh huh. He needs some uppers. But. <laughs> well, I think. I don't think that what Eric. Uh, Eric. What uh, Alan is doing is wrong. You know, I think he. Just thinks, hey, if I keep repeating it, keep telling him, hey, I believe in your dream, that he's going to be like, you know what, Dad, you're right. But I think Alan may just realize that he is fighting an uphill battle now, mm-hmm. and this is something that Corey has to work through. Yeah, and I like how Alan uh, kind of gives a little backstory on what his dreams were growing up and how they changed for him. And, and even though he's holding on to the dream that his son, Corey, is going to be the center fielder for the Phillies, he kind of gives him that nod that it's okay if dreams change because, you know, they, they do for a lot of people. They did for me. So then we go into probably the worst part of this whole episode <laughs> uh, from my vantage point, and that is we have Jane, the friend. Oh, yes. And uh, <laughs> Stephanie. Jane's mom yes. walks through the door. Yes. And yes, uh, yes. <laughs> let's just say they're no, sorry, the friend is Stephanie and Jane is the mom. But they walk in and Jane is a monster. Yeah. I I like yeah. Back, <laughs> back to the lady who was there to do the test, like it doesn't even seem like a real human being level of monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this is the. I, I do have a Let's little see, bit of sound clips from this. I, I don't have any sound okay. clips. No, um, I do have some okay. of Jane's actress, uh, played by Christine Healy, oh. sixty-two acting credits, a lot of one-shot guest appearances, uh, nothing that seemed to really stick that I uh, that was jumped out at me. The most interesting thing to me was she had a role in the 1991 TV movie Night Rider 2000, in which. William Daniels, any fans of the 80s TV series knows, William Daniels was the voice of Kit the Car, and he was the voice of Kit in Knight Rider 2000. Uh-huh. He just was uncredited. So uh-huh, interesting. Jane was in a movie with Mr. Feeney in 1991, <laughs> two years before this episode. They just awesome. didn't share screen time. <laughs> yes. Oh, but yeah, she's. Uh, I I couldn't bring myself to clip any of this. It was just so shrill. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank you. I I'm gonna just leave this scene with Amy is such a smart lady, and I love her and adore her. Oh, she did. And I just she handled this perfectly. She and Morgan were gold. Right. <laughs> right. It, it's it literally was. You can just sense of she trained Morgan exactly what to do mm-hmm. to one up Jane. <laughs> And the whole reason for them coming over is just to throw as much shade at her as possible. Oh, yeah. And Amy is a queen. Let's just be real. Oh, yes. Amy is the mom that in this moment we all want to have. (laughs) Yes. So the next scene we get to is Eric's on the phone, and he's trying to explain what happened with him and another girl. I'm telling you, she was doing the kissing. I I was like an innocent bystander. (laughs) He just had a girlfriend in the last episode again. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just, I love when Corey hangs the phone up on him and he goes, call her back. <laughs> He's just like, I don't even know who that was. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Oh, man. <laughs> Who's calling Eric that he doesn't even know? <laughs> right. 
Well, okay. So I will say there's always the potential that one of the girls that he was interested in before, whether it be Heather or Linda or whoever, you know, was thinking about getting back together with him. And one of her girlfriends called Eric to say, we saw you do this. You better explain yourself. Very possible. And thus, once Corey hung up, he's like, I don't even know who that was. (laughs) That makes sense. So uh, Corey says that Jim Abbott is... uh, in their kitchen. <laughs> Jim Abbott is in our kitchen. Well, Tyler, who is Jim Abbott? I'm glad you asked that, Brett, because <laughs> I had to ask myself that same question. Now, as a kid, I was always aware of two things uh, when it comes to this man, Jim Abbott, that I didn't know about for sure on how they were connected. A, I knew there was a guy named Jim Abbott who was a baseball player because I watched Boy Meets World. Mm-hmm. And B, I was aware that there was a one-handed pitcher in the 90s who was really, really good because I, you know, watched SportsCenter as a kid and then didn't realize that those two things were connected. So Jim Abbott is a one-handed pitcher who would pitch left-handed and use the same glove, same hand on the glove. So what he would do is he would take his glove and place it onto his right forearm. He would pitch, and then within the seconds of after the throw, part of his finish of his windup, he would put the glove back on the hand he just threw with. Mm -hmm. So he would literally pitch to people, put the glove back on, and be ready for someone either hit a line drive right to him or to put a little uh, dimper over by him and then would go and field it. There's mm-hmm. clips out there of what he's done to to handle those situations. And normally he handled them really good. He had a 10-year career with the Angels, also with the Yankees. That was where he spent most of his time. And he spent a season with the White Sox and also at Milwaukee. Now, the key with that is that all, most of those teams and most of those years are played in the AL where they have a DH. So he doesn't have to worry about hitting. Mm-hmm. But while pitching for Milwaukee, he also was a decent hitter too. <laughs> so this man was actually pretty darn incredible and his story is amazing. He actually spends most of his time now being a speaker and traveling around the country. I never saw him bat when he played with Milwaukee, but I did see some games live. I mean, I didn't go to the games, but live on TV mm-hmm. uh, where he was pitching and and I mean, you know, find find the clips, listeners. Those it's really impressive mm-hmm. to see him do what he did. But he won silver in the uh, baseball World Cup. He won gold for the Olympics, and he pitched a no hitter against the Indians in 1993. He, he truly is an inspirational figure, and and now as an adult, I can appreciate him being on the show. Just I think as a kid, it didn't mean a thing to mm-hmm. me because I was just was too removed from that time. period period. If, if you weren't watching it first run, you probably miss it. Uh, you miss a lot of the context. Uh, but we learned that Alan sent about uh, 63 telegrams to Jim Abbott because uh, the two of them were not friends. As a kid, I think I always thought they were friends for whatever reason. <laughs> My friend Jim would make Abbott. sense. <laughs> yes. My dad's friend, Jim Abbott. But how did he... How did Dad... Why are you in my house? <laughs> Corey, don't ask him these children questions. Said so Jim, why are you in our house? Uh, 63, is that all you got? <laughs> The, the amount of effort that 
Alan went through seeing just how despondent Corey was about his dreams to just go out and send telegrams. You know, we didn't have email back then. We didn't have text messaging. We'd have message boards. We didn't have social media where you could tag your favorite celebrities. Alan went down to his local, probably Western Union. Uh, yeah, look it up. I'm not going to do a deep dive on it because this is off the top of my head. <laughs> and paid per telegram to send 63 messages directly to Jim Abbott asking him to come spend a couple of minutes sharing a moment with his son who is dreaming to be a baseball player and has had his dream crushed. Now, to put into context, if we tweeted any of the people from Boy Meets World more than five times, hey, come on our podcast, we get blocked. We would get blocked immediately. <laughs> and probably have our account um, suspended for harassment. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, much different time period. <laughs> But anywho, it works. Uh, Jim Abbott is in their house and he's sharing with him what happened to him when a teacher or a coach said that he would never make it to the pros. Eric goes, you know, you'd never have sent that to uh, that coach. You're too cool. Like, you know, you would never rub it in his face. And he goes, no, actually, I did. <laughs> <laughs> he makes it clear that he went off to school. He played and was a student at Michigan. And he graduated. So he has something to fall back on. He A, graduated high school. He B, graduated from college, had a successful career. You know, he's like midway getting close to the tail end of his baseball career. So he knows he's getting to that point where he's going to need more. And so, yeah, Corey is feeling quite inspired after this. Yeah. And it's exactly the message that I think uh, Mr. Feeney really wanted Corey to catch, which is very convenient for Mr. Feeney. And of course, you know, mm -hmm. word gets out that Jim Abbott's <laughs> there. Apparently, I brought the wrong ball. I mean, Corey did call Sean and say, get over here now. Yes. And all his friends bring baseballs. Minkus brings a basketball. Uh-huh. Poor Minkus. Oh, poor Minkus. As he is pondering taking over Microsoft and the world. And so Jim leaves and we get out into the yard and Corey's throwing his ball in the air and he loses it in Mr. Feeney's yard. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> I just, <laughs> this scene of Corey trying to be like, yeah, my friend, Jim Abbott, this is what he said. <laughs> and this is what I'm going to do now. Not to name drop or um, anything. I'm saying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love these little interactions, but, you know, Feeney makes it clear to him of like, hey, I'm not against you playing sports. Mm -hmm. What I'm against is you not thinking and you just assuming everything's going to work out. Yep. And I love that. And he gives them all of his balls back. Good Lord. The amount of <laughs> balls that are thrown back into his 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 porch area he's gonna fall <laughs> and the fact that mr feeney has been holding on to all of those just waiting for him to earn them back eh, mm -hmm. that's definitely get off my lawn energy <laughs> oh yeah but you gotta wonder how how long has he been holding on to those well if how quickly Corey lost this baseball is any indication that may have only been a week's worth of balls. I was thinking like a month, baby. It's possible. <laughs> we now go uh, after the balls have been released. We go to our tag 
and we have Alan and Amy who are eating ice cream and snuggling and being all cute. And for some odd reason, Amy's wearing shoes, even though Alan isn't. I don't get I it. Had, I had in sure. my notes. I was wondering what show they were watching. I, I don't remember why I wrote it down. I was, but <laughs> the Bachelor. Oh yes, airing at yes. This time? Uh, that was. Uh, I don't remember if the batch. That was way before the Bachelor. But uh, it was That's some sort of. But I mean, it's some, it's some sort, sort of dating, dating show. show. So I was trying. I, I didn't think to look after I was done watching the episode. But I, I was curious, what kind of episode they was would single be watching out at, on at the time. I'm sure Single Dot was, but I don't think Alan and Amy would have been watching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some cute guy with, you know, nice uh, tight butt and, you know, skinny jeans. Because oh, yes. <laughs> Alan is like, why are these women willing to humiliate themselves? Because do you see the good looking guy with the uh, tight butt? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I, I had to wonder, too, the way this conversation flowed in this tag. I know it's just kind of a throwaway uh, tag for, you know, just to button up everything with Corey with the camera again. But Alan starts to we start to see some rumblings and some thoughts for Alan to get a have a career change, wishing he was doing something other than managing a grocery store. And so, well, of, of would Amy think more of him if he had a different job, if he pursued a career he wanted mm-hmm. If he had more enjoyment over his job, because it's it's made very clear that Alan maybe isn't in love with being a grocer, but he has a good job and he pays the bills and he loves his family. Well, maybe if he had a more reliable assistant manager, he might like it more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Leonard Spinelli. Oh, Leonard. Uh, oh. So in my notes, I just have, we have ice cream and snuggles, which lead to some kissing until Corey pops up with the camera. (laughs) When they thought all the kids were in bed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, clearly they weren't paying as much attention. And clearly the camera did survive that fall. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe it's because they have the two stair system, which I don't know why. Again, 80s, 90s shows have these. Well, you have the hallway up top and there was a stair at each end of the hallway. Of course. Yeah. So maybe he just snuck down the back area. Oh, completely. But again, the the problem, and we've talked about this before, either Corey knows <laughs> what happens with his parents when the two of them start canoodling, or he just is unaware, you know? Yeah, it's hard to get a read on that because he's when Alan got ungrounded, Corey knew enough to say he wasn't coming back. But here, he clearly seems to not have a clue that he's interrupted an intimate moment and has killed the mood. <laughs> well, Brett, I think that's been an episode. That has definitely <laughs> been an episode. <laughs> we we may have to do some editing on uh, our the careers and potentially releasing a separate uh, video. Part on two. That. <laughs> oh gosh! Uh, but anywho, Brett. What did you learn uh, this this week? Uh, I were I learned uh, not to let your kids give up on your dreams because we need dreamers in the world, and even though those dreams might change, we still need to hold on to those dreams. So don't give up on them. What did you learn, Tyler? Oh, well, what I learned is I think is kind of the opposite actually, and that's not to get too focused on the specific dream because it, it's so easy, like. For Minkus, 
for him to be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my mind to it. And then, oh, no, Microsoft is going to be much harder to do. <laughs> and, you know, and we see in Girl Meets World, he has a successful company. He and his family have money. So it's not like he has not achieved and he hangs out with billionaires, potentially other billionaires. I'm not sure. They never really make clear how much money he has. So don't get so focused on a dream that you can't see also other potential close enoughs. What uh, what grade would you give this episode? Well, I gave Class Preunion a grade of an A minus. I contemplated uh, giving it an incomplete, but I felt that would just make the episode <laughs> run long. But yeah, an A minus. Um, yeah, Corey really had to to do some reflecting uh, this episode, and it was really Corey centric. Eric's side plot was negligible. Uh, Morgan's was one and done. I could not stand that woman. But we really got to dig into Corey and what happens when uh, when his dream is pushed. What happens when his support system, what, what did they do? And what is his dad willing to do to help him? And so I was really impressed by all that. So I give it an A minus. Nice. Um, I, I have to go with a C plus. Whoa. Now, right. hear me okay, out. Okay, I'm listening. I it, 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 a lot of it has to do with the fact that I deep dive into these potential <laughs> futures, future careers, and also the Morgan and Amy storyline really do drag this episode down. Mm. It's no fault to the actors. It's no fault to to how great they are, but just this storyline is so bad. <laughs> um, it is. <laughs> and uh, again, the other big thing is that you actually do see Feeney giving preferential treatment to Mingus. Mm-hmm. And you can even argue to Topanga at this moment. So, And that does frustrate me because I think Corey had more of his future thought out than Mingus actually did. And there's a part of me that judges Mingus in the realm of he should have known that Microsoft would be... <laughs> would not be the same you really hate his presentation after that deep dive i spent way too much time thinking about this i really did if it wasn't if it wasn't probably for how much i thought about this how much time i put into it the amount of stocks that i looked through for this stupid company (laughs) um I'm sorry. I keep saying bad words. <laughs> um, That's okay. We're, so yes, we're not. I, we're not into explicit level. We're still family friendly. <laughs> yes. Um, well, Brett, I have a, a dad joke for. You. All right. Let's let's hear it. Why did uh, the pitcher go to jail? The pitcher, as in the baseball pitcher. No. Oh, the picture, like the picture I hang on my wall. Yes. Uh, I think I know this one, but let's hear the answer. Because it was framed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I thought you had a baseball one for it, to be fair, for a minute. <laughs> no, I should have, but I didn't. Trust me, there's hopefully just one more episode where I'll talk about baseball, and then hopefully Corey will be done with baseball. It's going to happen. Well, I know. We're it. almost <laughs> midway through the first season, so. Oh, thank goodness. I can't wait. 
Well, this has been an episode of Dad's Meat World. Yes, it has. Brett, uh, <laughs> Brett, where can we find you on the internet? Well, you can find me online on Twitter, on Instagram at uh, Doctor Headley Art, and uh, yeah, put art stuff up there all the time. And uh, and Tyler, where can we find you online? Well, you can always find me at Twitter, uh, Tyler Volk on Twitter. Um, but hey, if you want to send us an email, tell us how you think we're doing, or leave a review, uh, you can always do that by going to dazmeatworld at uh, gmail.com or uh, you know, on any of your podcast feed or even on YouTube if that's where you're, you're choosing to listen. That's right. And if you leave us uh, leave us some love, you know, a review, a five-star rating, that lets other people find us and lets them see that hey, it's not just Pod Meets World that's out there talking about your favorite show. Exactly. We actually talk about the show. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have our own social profiles for our show. Uh, you can find us at, Dad Me- at Dad's Meet World on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So until next week, we'll see you good looking. Until then, good looking. Find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios, tell your story. presentation that does me world brought to you by letter <laughs> d and lots and lots of baseball production of head first studios head first studio tell your story that's right <laughs> oh god i have to stop recording <laughs> all right we'll just trim all that out <laughs> that sounds lovely all right <laughs> Real quick, if we're going to trim stuff out, the amount of times as I'm listening to an episode, I'm like, dear Lord, I can't believe you left that in. (laughs) 